Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Vergara. What's going on, everybody? Uh, friend of the show, Nick Gray of Fandroid is back once again. Pretty much a co-host at this point. Uh, love you, Nick. Thank you so much for always being on. Uh, the two of us get together to talk about the two devices that have already been announced this week. We have the Poco X3 Pro. Neither of us have the F3 just yet. And then, of course... You're all waiting for it. We talk about the OnePlus 9 Pro, uh, talk about the device and how we feel about it in the general flagship space, as well as the partnership with Hasselblad and what that means for the camera package. So let's go ahead and get into this episode of the Pocketnow Weekly Podcast. Enjoy. We're not sponsored, obviously. Um, I am not even sponsored. Well, okay, I should, I should, uh, I should preface this that I did get product from this particular company, including a mini fridge in the shape of the Xbox Series X. Um, we're not sponsored by Zoa Energy, but this show is being brought to you by Zoa Energy as a very tired and very exhausted JV is hoping that the B vitamins, the, hydro- the electrolytes, and the <laughs> caffeine are going to give me some energy for this show. <laughs> and for those who cannot see it, because this is not a video podcast, Josh is just reading off the back of the can right now. This is where my life has come to after I was up all night doing my real world camera test on my channel for the OnePlus 9 Pro. And that's obviously what we're going to talk about today. Both Nick and I have our devices. Um, we are, uh, we are, uh, okay. I don't want to spoil anything. We're going to talk about the OnePlus in the back half, but, uh, first I do want to, uh, bring up yet another device that was announced this week. Um, it's kind of a heavy week for news. You can hear it in my voice that I'm just exhausted. You have the much better color of that phone than I do. No, I don't. This is just the case on it. That's a case? That's the case. The clear case. It's it's the blue one. It's identical to the one last year. Oh, it looked green. <laughs> it, it did. That's why I'm taking off the case. Right now. There you go. No, it still looks green. It still looks green. Yeah. No, this is the blue. Okay. There's no reason this should look green to you. Well, we have a slightly I updated. I have the bronze, uh, which apparently this is uh, this is a version that very few people got. So I'm kind of happy that I got this. Yes, the Poco X3 Pro. This is literally just like a slight upgrade from the Poco X3 NFC, which led me to wonder, does this phone have NFC? And I remember looking at the GSM Arena stats and it says some regions. And I was like, okay, Poco. <laughs> Like well, the this, one they sent me does have NFC. It so. does. Okay. Let me double check on mine um, because I find it so funny. I remember when the X3 NFC first came out, everyone made a really big deal about it because NFC was like, it was just sorely lacking in Poco's phones. Um, well, and a lot of, to be fair, a lot of budget-friendly devices that sell for around 200 euros didn't have NFC and still don't. So mm-hmm. it was one of the reasons why they stuck it into the name of the phone. They're like, hey... This phone's got NFC. You can do wireless payments. In in a sea of phones that were saying 5G at the end of their names, this one was like, yeah. NFC. <laughs> we got the NFC. We got the 10-year-old technology. Oh, man. I just checked. In, in my settings, it does say NFC. So, yes, it is here. Um, quite literally looks the same as the X3 NFC, um, but we do have some updates on here. Uh, the Snap... This is, is this the only phone that we know of that has the Snapdragon 860? This is- yeah, the very first phone with a Snapdragon 860 chipset, and if that doesn't sound familiar, it's because this is the first device. So it's, it's kind of slotted in between the Snapdragon 855 Plus and the Snapdragon 865, which makes it a sort of flagship tier chipset from a year and a half ago. It's a flagship 4G 
flagship 4G. Yeah, I mean, a, that was a, a weird way this, of putting it's it. It's yeah. the 7 nanometer chip on the inside, but it's not paired. Qualcomm doesn't require you to pair it with their 5G uh, modem. So that's why this phone sells for, I think it's 249 euro. Mm-hmm making it roughly 310 320 US dollars depending on you know conversion rates but of which, course Poco has the whole like early bird pricing with the 199 and yep so they they're knocking off 50 euro for early bird pricing for those who want to pre-order the device but you know the Poco X3 NFC which came out last year was kind of for me at least and I, I know a lot of people said this as well kind of a surprise for the value that it offered you know it it wasn't Definitely not on the same level as the Pixel 4a as far as the camera goes, but as far as performance, it definitely matched it with pr pretty much the same chipset on the inside, 6 gigs of RAM, uh, and then a full HD plus display with a 120 hertz refresh rate. And it was really hard to say, no, you shouldn't buy this phone because there was so many great things about it. And this one here being you know, on, on the high end at launch, 50 euro more with a flagship tier processor. I mean, yes, flagship tier as far as performance goes, you know, 12 to 18 months ago. But mm -hmm. this thing will definitely outperform any budget smartphone within that $250 or 250 euro category uh, as far as performance goes. I adore, I adore the conversations that people are having around these two Poco devices, because it's not just the X3. We mm -hmm. also have the F3. And whenever Poco puts a phone out with F in it, everyone gets really excited. Um, because, you know, the F1 was just such a revelation back in the day. Um, and they continue to be. They continue to provide really good phones for such low prices. And it continues with the F3. Slightly higher in the price. Uh, it's a little bit closer, like 400 But it's um, that one's got the Snapdragon 870, which is like, again, another kind of oddball processor that Qualcomm is making. Yeah, that one is 5G. It is higher than the 865, but just lower than the 888, which I'm like, okay, like... I can keep it just straight. Just slotted right in there. Yeah. yeah, I can keep it straight, but it's still interesting how we have so many of these things happening. In any case, what I love is the conversation around these two phones that because they are so affordable, this is sort of the other side of the gaming smartphone coin because we have the ROG Phone 5s that are $12.99 or <laughs> something like that. Mm -hmm. We have the, I, um, I think there was... Um, the, we have the Red Magics, we have the Black Sharks of the world. But then on the other side of it, like, because those are like the high-end gaming laptops, but then you also get like the MSI, let's say Leopard or um, Thin Line that have just enough of the specs you would want to have for fun gaming, but they're not super expensive and they kind of dial back on a few of the specifications. In this case, with Poco, clearly one of the main things that they dial back on is the camera 48 megapixel and then you get a significant dip in the other three all you need to hear is that there's an actual two megapixel macro lens on there and you know exactly what kind of camera you're getting and then after that you also have um, a screen that might not be quad hd might not be high resolution but like the budget gaming laptops i just mentioned it's 1080p at a high refresh rate Mm. So I've gotten a lot of comments on my unboxing video. My unit came after the launch. So um, yes, so that I had an interesting little um, 
I had an interesting dynamic in my comment sections after <laughs> after I did my unboxing, but I've gotten a lot of comments on that video of them saying this will change this changes the game in a way because it's the most affordable gaming phone out there. And I tend to agree. I think that's a really great way of looking at these phones. You got the performance, you got the gaming, you got the low latency touch um on the screen. There's a lot to love so far. And the big battery too, five thousand plus. Well, and yeah, the the yeah the five thousand, I think it's five thousand one hundred and sixty. Which on mm-hmm. um, the original Poco X three NFC, that thing lasted two and a half days on a single charge. Granted, it was the Snapdragon seven thirty two chipset, which is extremely power efficient. So, it's still need to test it out to see how well the Snapdragon eight sixty and even this other the eight seventy perform as far as you know efficiency goes but you shouldn't have any issues getting through a very very long day of gaming on a single charge yeah where where do you um in the content that i've made so far on poco phones over the last year whether it was the was it the f2 pro was like right before covid and then um x3 and m3 the poco m3 oh my goodness that Mm. was that was one hell of a phone too um where do you land on this whole conversation or this discourse that you end up having in your content for Poco phones where you run up to a spec that you know people are going to hear and they kind of groan a little bit? So you have to add the phrase, but the price, though. <laughs> uh, I you, Honestly, I haven't had to have that conversation. It seems the people who have watched my content uh, on the YouTube channel are completely sold on the idea of these Pocophones being an extremely well-versed, budget-friendly device that mm. offers incredible performance for the value. And, you know, it, every, everyone's got their own things that they're going to nitpick about, but it doesn't seem that I've attracted those same people that have been nitpicking uh, on some of those features. And, you know, it, it is a fair point that, you know, they're not the best spec devices out there but when you add up all of the features that these devices do offer there's really no reason you can say you know if you're on a 200 dollar or 200 euro budget stay away from this phone these are five reasons why you want to stay away like no if you're if you have 200 euro to spend this is probably one of the top three devices you should be considering i i i keep thinking and and you know i i i Whenever I approach this particular subject, it's always hard because I'm not the one with children. <laughs> Quite literally, mm-hmm. everybody else that I have on the show has children. You, TK, Jaime. Um, but could you look at a phone like this? Let's say 199. Let's say you go. Let's say you spring for early bird. 199 euro, which makes it like 250 US, something mm-hmm. to that effect. Is this a phone you would consider as like the the let's get something affordable because it's my kid? You know, they're, they're not going to be looking for like the flagships or anything like that, obviously, when they're teenagers. Like, is this a phone you would consider in that particular scenario? Because it's a scenario I feel like I, I can't relate to, but I think about when the price is this low. And so you're you're asking the right question to the wrong person because <laughs> I literally have, I don't know, four dozen phones that That's I fair. can see. That's true. In, so like I- We my, would sooner give them a daughter, 4A, right? Like a 4A or a 4A 5G. <laughs> So my my oldest daughter, she's using a, I give it to her in the fall, the OnePlus 7T hmm. uh, that I reviewed. I gave my wife, she's using the OnePlus 8, 
and my youngest daughter, she's using a Pixel 3a. Oh, nice. And so, like, we we have devices to go around. But, you know, if I was spending my own money on a smartphone for, you know, a 12-year-old and a 9-year-old, this is definitely something that I would consider. I mean, there are there are some sacrifices that are made, especially for people buying these devices in the U.S. because they are mm. technically not available in the U.S. You do have to import them, so you have to pay a little bit more. The software isn't fully optimized for the U.S. and the um, the radio bands aren't really fully optimized for 4G or even 5G at that. Um, so there are some things that you do need to consider in making that purchase purchasing decision. But if you're simply looking for a smartphone for a kid that is going to forget to charge it every day, that they do want to do Good some point. gaming... Uh, my girls love playing Minecraft on their smartphones. They spend hours doing that on the weekends. Um, Ooh, and, I'm, I'm close. Know, I'm close to trying it because there are a lot of tech. There are not tech tubers. YouTubers. There are a lot of YouTubers who play it. And it's, it Minecraft on mobile. Either Minecraft on mobile, or um, I, I'll admit I never gave Stardew Valley a full, sh uh, a fair shake. I know that everyone mm -hmm. loves that game. Yeah. So I mean. Uh, Stardew Valley is really fun. You should play that. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't stand Minecraft on mobile. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to play it on desktop. But <laughs> fair, that's just fair. me. Yeah. Uh, but my girls, yeah, they they love spending time with their phones. I mean, the the things that they do the most is checking emails from school, which you can do on any smartphone. They play Minecraft. They play a handful of other games. They watch some YouTube videos now and then, and they listen to music. And th honestly, any phone's going to handle most of those features that they need. But if you have a child who is into gaming, like wants to play some heavy duty games, this phone can handle it. You know, the Snapdragon 860 processor and the 870 uh, for the F3 are going to be more than capable of playing PUBG Mobile. They're more than capable of playing Call of Duty Mobile, more, ca more than capable of playing any, you know, AAA title that you can currently get on Android right now without a hiccup. And yeah. you know, for a lot of them, even playing them at 60 frames per second i love that you mentioned PUBG mobile it wasn't it was it pre-installed on your phone as well <laughs> um the x3 no it was not pre-installed on mine was really it pre installed on yours yeah i think so i don't think i hit download on did i i'm trying to remember no. i because no, it is it is yep it is <laughs> it is pre-installed because um, I get Call of Duty I didn't mobile. Even notice I mean, it. you and I are, are Call of Duty mobile fans. But I usually, these days I'm on like uh, MMORPGs like Genshin and Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. I actually came back to Ragnarok recently. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> it was funny. I saw the PUBG mobile icon there. I was like, hmm, I haven't played that in a while. I kind of want to try it again. But yeah. So one thing, before we got on the podcast, I was asking Josh to start the podcast a little bit early. And then he was like, I just woke up. So he probably hasn't seen this news if he didn't wake up early enough but they or i wasn't looking the black at... shark for today as well okay cool so you did mention this to me um in our chat i did not uh, like any like any i did not get heads up that it was going to be announced today so i didn't Same. like so the black shark 4 which is a dedicated gaming smartphone like true flagship gaming smartphone as in you know going up against the rog devices and the red magic devices the difference here is that, again, they're bringing back the dedicated physical uh, trigger buttons on yes. the side of the phone, which, uh, like, 
I really don't care about the other gaming phones, but this one here, having the dedicated physical trigger buttons on the side of the device is definitely something. Well, I okay, you say that, but in. the ROG Phone 5 gave, like, like that phone has um, the physical back buttons if you put the fan on it. So, but if, these, if you put the, but that's an attachment, right? Yeah, like, I, I can't that. just pull it out of my pocket and use it like that. But yeah, those, those retractable triggers, I still have the 3 Pro and it's still the coolest thing. It's still the coolest thing on a phone, built in. Yeah, and I agree with you there. It's so funny. Like we we didn't know that the Black Shark was going to be announced today, considering we are very close to literally all wings of the Xiaomi mm-hmm. <laughs> ecosystem. So we got to call our contacts and figure out what's going on there. Uh, but yeah, we're looking at the Poco. I'm literally wearing the new Amazfit um, T Rex Pro. Um, we. Uh, we have contacts there. We have uh, Xiaomi contacts. We we actually know people for Redmi, and like it's just so funny that Black Shark somehow is the Black Shark. Like they're able to actually, <laughs> they're actually able to swim underwater and and like avoid us somehow. <laughs> yeah. So the one thing to note about the Black Shark is like the uh, Poco F3 is it's running the Snapdragon 870 and not the 888, like the other dedicated, like the rog personally and the I, magic. Think, I think that's fine i think that's okay. I, honestly like there there's not going to be that much of a performance difference that you're going to notice there uh the difference is because of that chipset there are they are able to come in a little bit cheaper it seems mm-hmm. uh with the six gig so there's a model with only six gigabytes of ram uh at starting at 383 dollars converted from the Chinese yuan. So it sounds like we also have a a four pro as well. Um, yeah, yeah. And so there's there's a couple different variants in there. You can get it all the way up to sixteen gigabytes of RAM uh, with five hundred twelve gigs of storage. Gee, bus. And and I think even the that one there, the four pro, is only eight hundred and fifteen U.S. dollars. That's not bad. Um, no. and, and, of but, course, this this isn't U.S. pricing, so yeah. it, it will be a little bit more expensive with U.S. pricing. I would imagine that's going to be around nine hundred U.S. dollars. But for a gaming centric device like this, with that much storage and that much RAM, and those physical buttons on the side, you know, if if you're playing Call of Duty, you that's in something particular, you want. yeah, the Call of Duty Mobile and. Um, PUBG Mobile. Those Can't are the they just games call that, this the Call of Duty phone? They kind of could. Um, I, I keep thinking to myself, like, what are other games that would benefit from those buttons? Um, Pascal's Wager, maybe. But I don't know. The Anyway, one thing that I did remember as you were talking about pricing is one of the reasons why we I, I didn't get to, or we didn't get to handle the Black Sharks uh, over the last like year or two. I think one of the reasons why is because Black Shark actually dialed back some of its European launch. So mm-hmm. it is very much a China slash Asia phone. So if they yeah. weren't going to do a big global thing, then it wouldn't come to us. So just a little and peek the behind other, the curtain for, for us. Yeah. For those and listeners. the other key thing to note here, 120 watt fast charging. That's dope. That's dope. 100, so it has a 4,500 milliamp hour battery and the 120 watt fast charging can charge it from zero to a hundred percent in, take a guess. 20 minutes. 16. Wow. I mean, 16 minutes well so that's not far but that's a 25 percent difference between true, true. 16 and 20 percent right or 16 and 20 minutes that's incredible 120 watts like i don't know what voodoo magic they're using to do that but mm-hmm. i there's a chance that things could go wrong and 
I don't yeah. want to know what that would end Especially up being. Especially if you're but... like gaming at the same time and there's no fan attachment or maybe no. there is, but we didn't see it yet. Um, no, but I, I'd imagine there's some intense cooling cooling system on the inside of this phone oh, to for sure. the battery and the SOC as cool as possible. Yeah. Well, from uh, from super fast 120 watt voodoo magic black shark charging, we go to warp charging. Yes, let's go ahead and get into it. The OnePlus 9 Pro after the break. During the break, Nick was getting ready for this OnePlus talk by removing his sweater to reveal the Never Settle shirt. <laughs> we have a loyal I fan. Actually, I actually wore it for one of my OnePlus videos that I shot yesterday. And I was oh. like, I ha- I, honestly, I haven't worn this shirt for maybe a year it was it was ha- actually hanging in my closet i completely forgotten that i, I have it. mine i feel like it i was doesn't going fit through me as well my, my closet my hanging shirts and i was like what's this white t-shirt doing in here and then i pull it out and i'm like oh it's my never settle t-shirt but it seems like the perfect shirt to wear on a day like today with the announcement of the new oneplus devices well you know what i i, I have the sweater still or the hoodie i should say the zip up hoodie with the oneplus logo right on the lapel that one i like that shirt, like, yeah, I I don't wear that shirt out. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> no, I'm like this shirt. I think I've had it for three years. It's probably been washed once, maybe twice. <laughs> like, I just wear it in the house. Once upon a time, and I don't think I don't think listeners or viewers of our videos and readers of our websites, I don't think they realize that once upon a time, OnePlus really, really tried to be a lifestyle company. Um, oh around, yeah, they were selling backpacks. And- yeah. Around the time of the OnePlus 2, OnePlus 3, they had an extensive catalog on their website of products that were not tech. And I actually have behind me, there's a shelf, and inside of it is like a desk organizer. It's just made of really good quality wood. And like one is for pens and one is for papers and one is for, you know, all these things. And then, of course, the backpacks. Yeah, the backpacks are kind of legendary in the tech tuber world. Um, we used them a lot. The last one I did not like, but the original one was fantastic. It was a great bag. Anyway, we are talking about OnePlus, and obviously there's a big shift in the OnePlus world with the OnePlus 9 Pro in that now we have a partnership. Uh, The OnePlus 9 Pro and OnePlus 9 now tuned with Hasselblad for the cameras. Okay, we've had these ones for a little bit of time. Uh, People have either gone ahead and done their reviews or their unboxings. Um, You and I are the tryhards who do, I do real world camera tests where I literally vlog with the phone and you probably are in the middle of many camera comparisons that you're constructing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say, let's go ahead and just jump into the phone itself. Um, Where's mine? Here it is. The top level thoughts on the OnePlus 9 Pro. (sighs) It's good. I mean, I I don't think we've ever gotten to a year where we pick up a OnePlus device and we're like, eh, it's not a good device. And this year they've I think checked more boxes than they have in years past, uh, except for in a couple key areas. But as far as the cameras go, uh, I, I think that's the thing that most people are excited about, or there's the most hype about with the Hasselblad collaboration. Um, they have two really good camera sensors on the back of the phone, uh, a Sony IMX 789, I believe, which is the main camera and then the 766 for the ultra wide camera. Mm-hmm. And the pictures that I've taken so far, uh, a couple hundred 
have turned out pretty good, even low light conditions. It doesn't seem to, the ultra wide camera doesn't seem to be as fine tuned as the same sensor that's used on the Oppo Find X3 Pro, which uses the same 766 for low light conditions. Um, but it's still really good. And I truly do love the freeform lens that they have on the back, which practically eliminates all edge distortion that you get in the ultra wide camera. So honestly, it, in some situations, it looks like there's less distortion with the ultra wide camera than there is with the main sensor, which is kind of, kind of mind blowing for, for anyone who's looked closely at ultra wide photos. Um, especially some some of the cameras that you know have the you know, 178 degree field of view things like that. Uh, this is a, kind of a game changer in my books for that. Yeah, the the ultra wides that we've been seeing recently, especially when it's this IMX 766, like it's it's something that I hope continues. Mm-hmm. We've always had these sort of trends in um, smartphones. Like I remember 2019 was a great trend where we started to see the 48 megapixel sensors like proliferate. It was on every phone. Even the gaming phones benefited from having that sensor. And I hope that this year, this is the trend with the ultra wide that we see the 50 megapixel uh, IMX 766 appear on almost any phone. Like I really wanted to show up on every phone um, because the wide angle is just so useful. And the... um, now, going back to just the general phone specifications, obviously everything that we want out of a OnePlus phone is all here, right down to the alert slider. And you know there are some expected things like no headphone jack, of course. But then we have um, Snapdragon 888. We have a 4,500 milliamp hour battery, which in my opinion actually is a little bit low at this point. I Yeah. I've gotten... My real-world camera tests are not the best example because they are the heaviest of the heavy usage that you can possibly give or do on a phone. Mm-hmm. That being said, uh, only getting like three hours screen on time on that particular day was not nice to see. Um, that said, warp charging across the board, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> you get topped off in minutes. Yeah, exactly. Um, I even um, I even use like fast chargers from other phones and they, they top it up pretty quickly as well. But of course, if you want the best, use what's included. You have the um, 65T warp charge. That will get it from zero to 100 in like half an hour or something like that. And um, the wireless charging, which unfortunately, like I mentioned in the last episode that you and I did, Nick, I haven't been to my office um, in a little bit, but I left the wireless charger there. At the time, though, the wireless charger, man, like that's 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 going to be a permanent fixture on my desks from now on. Mm-hmm. It's such a great yeah, charger. So, the, the, so it's been upgraded from last year, which last year they had... 30 watt wireless charging and now it is 50 watt wireless charging goodness able to fully charge the phone and i think it's 43 minutes wirelessly which if you look at devices and in landscape and in landscape you can do both yeah Yeah. now they they've rearranged the charging coils on the inside of the phone and the charger itself so that you can put it in portrait and landscape depending on you know if you want to watch a video or something like that while it's charging uh but Compared to the 25 watt fast charging that you get on Samsung's Galaxy S21 devices, I mean, it's double the speed without plugging it in, which is pretty insane. I know there's a lot of people who will, you know, say, well, it's not truly wireless charging because you have to have it in a specific spot. And if you're doing that, might as well just plug it in. Yeah, but, you know, 
I don't know. You're, you're just not a believer in the technology. Um, <laughs> well, the thing is, there's, what there's I these little do is... bits of convenience that wireless charging provides. So, like, mm-hmm. even just the act of not having to unplug it is, like, that's a little bit of convenience. This is a stand as well. So you're charging yep. it fast. You're charging it at this at almost the same speed as while you're charging while even using the phone at the same time at an angle that allows you to still use it. Like, these are all things that... It's quality of life. It's it, These are the mm-hmm. things that I've said a lot on phones over the last year is that quality of life upgrades are kind of underrated because people are just looking at like the top level things and thinking to themselves, well, it's not, it's not extraordinary. It's like, it doesn't have to be extraordinary. It has to just improve. It has to be better than what it was before. Yeah. And that's basically it. Um, one of the things where they have improved too is with the display. Uh, they are now using LTPO technology like we've seen in um, the Oppo Find X3 Pro, the Galaxy S21 Ultra. Uh, but those ones there, I think the, I think, I can't remember the number for the Samsung device, but the refresh rate, the dynamic refresh rate of the screen goes from 120 down to 9 frames per second on the Galaxy S21 Ultra, and then 5 frames per second on the F. Poco X3 Pro, and then this one here takes it all the way to the very minimum, (laughs) one frame per second. Now you might be wondering, why do I want a one frame per second refresh rate? Well, every time that your screen refreshes, it consumes uh, power by having more processor cycles in order to produce that image on the screen. And whenever you're looking at a static image, there's no reason to have a higher refresh rate than one. So if you're if you're loading up a web page and you're simply reading the web page and it's not changing anything, you can have a single frame per second refresh rate, which mm-hmm. consumes dramatically less power than going to 120 and having it capped there, or just the regular standard 60 frames per second that we see on a lot of you know regular AMOLED displays. Yes. Uh, also, touch latency. Um, on top of that. They they have, despite the fanatic mode going by the wayside, the, the terminology, I should say, uh, the functionality mm-hmm. is still there, but we also have touch latency at its all-time best. Um, so for you gamers out there who might be looking for a flagship phone like this, this is going to be a great gamer's device. Um, I love the screen. The screens on OnePlus devices since the 8 have been pretty amazing, I I, I have to say. I really enjoy them, and I have to give kudos to Oxygen OS for finally developing an always-on display that I can really get behind. Uh, there's so many different ways that you can cater this thing. Like, this is just the default one, but then they have the Insight one that we already put on, like, the OnePlus 8 Pro and the AT. Have you tried the Canvas yet? I have tried the Canvas, yep. Well, and they had that one in beta before. True. Um, this is my first time actually, like, really trying it. My only problem with Canvas um, so for anybody who's listening, uh, if you haven't tried it yet, Canvas essentially is you start off with a wallpaper, ideally of a person, should be of a person, and um, it will use software to create sort of like this line art, black and white line art of the portrait that you put as your background on your phone. That line art, black and white, is what your always-on display becomes. And then when you turn it on, it'll like you know illuminate to show the actual picture of the person as your wallpaper. Obviously, I tried it. I put ESA on my phone, and that's great. But a part of me was thinking, like, I kind of wish I could put, like, a custom wallpaper, like, of, like, an anime that I'm watching right now or, like, a game I'm playing, but still keep the canvas of ESA as my always-on display. I kind of wish that 
that functionality was there. Um, but that's a bit nitpicky. I, I, I understand. All in all, though, very good device. Exactly what we expect from OnePlus. Now we can finally talk about where we land on the whole Hasselblad and the whole camera, uh, the whole camera situation. I'm going to venture to say, like the one, like the Oppo Find X3 Pro taught me, because it was the phone that kind of solidified this mentality for me. For these phones, especially the ones that come out of um, like China, Asia, um, that don't prioritize front-facing camera for content creation, it's definitely just a selfie taker. It's just a beauty mode creator, all of those things. This is a little bit like that too. The front-facing camera on this phone is a disappointment if you are looking for it to be high-powered. I think that this phone and the Oppo Find X3 Pro, and I'm expecting other phones that will be high profile over the next number of months, they're going to have the same type of trope. The front-facing camera is going to be a disappointment, but that's because the rear cameras are so useful. We're going away from the whole telescopic go past 30 times zooms and whatnot. And like I said, if this wide-angle camera, this 50 megapixel wide-angle camera is going to be the norm, man, it's a good lens on its own. And it's even great for video. I've been enjoying vlogging with this thing like crazy. Yeah, and that's that's the point though. Like there's such a disparity right now because the rear cameras have gotten so good and there really hasn't been any progression whatsoever with the front-facing camera because from everything that I can tell, the front-facing camera on this phone is identical to the front-facing camera that we got on last year's smartphone. Mm -hmm. They really did not put in any work whatsoever in order to upgrade it. I think it can now record 1080p video at 60 frames per second from the front-facing camera, I believe. I don't think so. Um, don't quote me on that. Let me check here. But there's it, it's one of those things where they kind of really just phoned it in this time around. Oh, you're you right, 60. Get, there it is, yeah. Yeah, so you get 1080p 60 frames per second, but what happened to 4K? I mean, if if someone's if someone's actually thinking about using this device for content creation, they have to think about it in a different way as in, well, now I have to flip the phone around to use the 4K cameras on the back to record video as opposed to using the one on the front. Personally, that's what I would do because I create content for a living and I'm always looking for the maximum return or the best value that I can get out of a device for the best quality. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be using the front-facing camera, especially in low light. I did my camera test with this device in low light, and I did my outro using the front-facing camera at night, and it is just grainy and horrible. Mm -hmm. uh, but the rear cameras do amazingly well in low light conditions, and the disparity between those two is increasing rather than decreasing simply because OnePlus didn't put in the time or the effort to increase the photo quality or the video quality from the front-facing camera this time and, around. And you and I have had this conversation. We had this conversation with the Oppo. Um, that exactly. Well, the and, markets kind of dictate why this front-facing camera is the way it is. I don't know if you can really levy that particular criticism on OnePlus because obviously they're in so many markets, including the U.S. Um, and that's the thing. OnePlus's biggest market is the U.S. Mm -hmm. and their second biggest market is Europe. Yes, they do have a good presence in in Asia and you know in China and India as well. But their number one and number two markets are U.S. and Europe, mm -hmm. and those markets kind of demand a little bit more from their front-facing cameras, as we've seen with Samsung's devices, uh, giving us really good selfie cameras this year with the S twenty one series. Even not and just the iPhones too. And the iPhones too, but not just doing 4K video, which they did last year, but they're doing 4K 
60 mm-hmm. from the front-facing camera. Like they're they're like three years. Like if you look at the technology, they're three years ahead of where OnePlus is right now for the front-facing cameras, which is a little bit embarrassing for OnePlus because they spent so much time and effort into uh, giving us a good experience on the back cameras that you know they could just kind of left us high and dry on the front end. So the so um th- th- this actually would be better as a final question, but since we're talking about it already, I'll bring it up. So because capability-wise, the OnePlus 9 Pro doesn't quite have those same levels that the S21 Ultra, let's say, S21 Mm -hmm. Ultra, iPhone 12 Pro, we don't even have to go to the Pro Max, we can talk about the Pro. Um, Far zoom, great front-facing cameras with 4K video recording capabilities and stuff like that. With these things missing on the OnePlus 9 Pro, does that make its price of close to $1,000 seem like too much in comparison? I I would say, yeah. I mean, one of my main complaints about this phone is the fact that it is $69 more expensive than last year. And last year's phone was the most expensive OnePlus device to date. And this one is again. And in a year where we've seen the market kind of correct itself from the pricing snafus that we had last year, going, you know, 50, 100 or even $200 cheaper than the models that they that they they're replacing. Uh OnePlus so far as far as flagship devices go, they're the only ones that have increased their prices in 2021 when everyone else has moved the opposite direction. So, um you know, the the Hasselblad camera seems to be good not because it's the Hasselblad camera, but because they've invested the money into the good sensors. We still have to wait to see what that Hasselblad collaboration looks like next year because that's when they're truly going to start, hopefully, working on the hardware in conjunction with OnePlus. Mm-hmm. Here we're only getting color tuning from them and, you know, some Hasselblad touches within the camera app for the shutter button and the shutter sound, things like that. Which Ooh, I love that shutter sound, it, though, man. <laughs> it, yeah, it sounds cool, but... I turn the shutter sound off on all of my phones. You know, well, like, was, okay, so this I'll listen to first... it like four times. And I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. Well, this Gone. was the f- mute. This was the first um, shutter button sound that I haven't muted because I felt like it wasn't because some of them are so obvious. So that when I was like at the LA Zoo, if I was ha- if I had the phone at full blast and it was it had that or whatever the sound would mm-hmm. be, yeah, everyone knows what you're doing. But when the sound was something so like weirdly calming, like Oh, my phone's on mute. <laughs> um, so if I if I had a sound like, like for some reason that just sounded so like, I don't know. There was so such a satisfying sound, and I never felt like somebody else was gonna like look at me and be like, "Shut your phone down." Um, but yeah. But the, when you're like me and you go out and you do camera tests with four phones and you take seven hundred pictures oh, within four yeah. days, I'm like, dude, shut that down. <laughs> yeah, I only brought this was the only phone down, I brought man. with me to the LA Zoo. Um, but in any case, yeah, I. I saw a few other reviews, perspectives. Everyone's got like the bevy of, you know, depending on, you can tell who is not overwhelmed by work if they put a review out (laughs) at embargo time rather than like other stuff. But the- Well, um, okay. That being said, not everybody is a one-man show where they're doing all the things. So, you know, if, if you go to a lot of the larger tech publications, they have five different people who review smartphones. And so they can hand one off to, you know, oh, you're working on this one. 
here you go. You're mm-hmm. working on this one and you can, you know, divide the but work. But even then, but even then, um, shouts out to like Michael Fisher and Dave 2D, Dave Lee. Um, shouts out to them for being able to pick and choose what exactly like what things that they're able to do and to like do it at their own pace. You know, those are the people I'm talking about. So I watched their reviews and, um, you know, Michael went above and beyond and he actually went to like a Hasselblad engineer's place. Like, God bless him. He always goes above and beyond for these videos. Um, but then I saw like Dave 2Ds and both of them kind of said the same thing in different ways. Michael said that the Hasselblad hype is a little bit like it's to say the cameras are good. They're great, actually. They can be pretty fantastic, but the hype is still somewhat unfounded. Um, I think that the point he made or was already made like a week or two ago where he said, like, you know, just be wary of these hyped up partnerships and whatnot. And I kind of agree with that. But then Dave, Dave's uh, Dave's perspective is one that I kind of land on. Um, now, whenever I look at phones that just come in, I, lo- I always look at them in a vacuum. I don't really like my first inclination because I'm I have sort of like I'm, I'm adverse to this uh, mentality just for my own mental health. My first instinct is not to grab the last phone or even the most recent phone and start shooting with both and pixel peep. It's not, I don't like doing that. I take the phone, I take it out with me. I tell you if I like it or not, that's really how I am. But Dave like took the iPhone 12 pro max with him and the S 21 ultra with him and then eight pro with him. And he was doing comparisons and all that stuff. I know you do that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and Dave's perspective. And I, I wonder if you are in the same place. Yes. The Hasselblad tuning, I kept calling it color science, the tuning has improved to the point where has improved the camera to the point where the OnePlus 9 Pro is the best camera OnePlus has ever created. But that doesn't make it better or um that it doesn't put it ahead of the processing that we already see on Samsung and on iPhones uh because they've already got their tuning down pat. I think taking Dave's Dave's perspective and then putting my own spin on it, I think this is exactly the partnership OnePlus had to get to make their cameras up to par, whereas they were always like a step behind. They were playing a catch-up game here. Mm -hmm. And I I think last year with the reviews of the OnePlus 8 Pro, a lot of people came to the same conclusion that OnePlus finally improved its cameras, but it's still just shy of the competition. I, I think with this partnership and specifically the color tuning that they're doing, they have come up to parity with the Galaxy S21 series with um, you know the Pixels and the iPhones. And it, it really comes down to some of them have slightly better dynamic range. Some of them have slightly better low light production. Uh, some of them have slightly better wide angle cameras. And... At this point, it becomes more of you picking and choosing a device because of the look that it offers, not because one specifically is better than the other. Well, also capability, we just talked about, because yeah. in some cases you'll get more zoom, some cases you'll get better selfies, stuff like that. And in this case, with your 3.3x zoom camera, you won't be able to record video mm-hmm. for some odd reason. No, so no, yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, the, the quirks but, of the video. Yeah, so you can record video and you can switch, you know, between the ultra wide camera, the main sensor, and then you have a button to zoom in and it will give you 2x zoom, which is not the 3.3 that you get. So I was looking at it and recording video. I was like, 
wait a second, this is supposed to be a lot closer. I stick my finger over the zoom camera on the back of the phone and, hey, the screen doesn't go dark. I stick my finger over the main sensor and the screen goes dark. Like, they, for some odd reason, they decided not to give you video capture from the 3.3x zoom camera. I have some theories as to why, um, because first of all, the the telephoto lens is only 8 megapixels, and that's not to say it shouldn't be uh, capable of 4K or even 1080p uh, video capture, but it's clearly there to support the main for photos. Um, it's there to get like the to get the image and then HDR overlays like the um, the the hybrid zoom uh, pictures together so that you get a good 3.3 times. And I thought it was so interesting that immediately when you hit zoom in the photo mode, it's already like, okay, hybrid. <laughs> it's like it's immediately going to that. I thought that was interesting. But the zoom levels, 3.3, maybe all the way up to about 5, pretty damn good. Still sharp. Still good photos, which I was impressed by. To not get that at all on the video side is what leads me to believe that the telephoto lens or sensor is it it's not meant to be a solo shooter it's this is a telephoto in support of other lenses um cropping into the even 4k or even 8k uh video recording on the main sensor which is what they chose to do you already start losing detail and it's a little bit of a bummer it's such an odd choice but i kind of like if i think about it hard enough i can kind of see where they were coming from with it because the photos come out pretty damn good yeah, I, th I think the reason why they chose to not give us video capture from the zoom camera is because, uh, one, it probably is pushing it for the 4K video resolution, mm -hmm. not just for the resolution, but for the frame rates. The The sensor itself simply isn't capable of delivering the same frame rates, you know, 30 or 60 FPS as the ultra wide and the main sensors can. And um, from a cohesion of the overall photo experience it's better to give you a 2x zoom on the main sensor which is a really good sensor uh, but it's not that same 3.3x zoom which kind of leaves me a bit disappointed yeah so the, the, these are the trade-offs as i said like this as i said in my video um well okay i actually wrote down a line that when I tried to deliver it to the camera, I just couldn't get it out in a way that felt what that that felt good enough to make the cut. I, I kept saying, uh, you know, one plus giveth and one plus sometimes taketh away. Like I kept trying to say that, and just couldn't get it out. Like it was like two in the morning, and I just couldn't get it out. Anyway, that, that's how I feel with this. Like they they took away zoom capabilities in the sense that it's not even like in video. There's not even a pro video mode, for example. Mm -hmm. um there's uh the Hasselblad pro mode despite having like raw capture is actually not all that different from any other manual mode that we've seen in other phones and then well, and actually like the uh oppo pro mode a little bit better just the way that it's organized exactly inside yeah the app that's very true um and that that movie mode on the oppo find x3 pro is fantastic mm -hmm. like their pro video mode is amazing um, and then, but, but then what you, what you lose out on in those things are even better color science in the photos. And I actually do think the photos are pretty great. HDR is pretty nice. That also bleeds over into video capture. Um, and then even though in the video side, they taketh away a little bit, they also giveth with the 4k 120, which I thought was pretty impressive. Um, you don't have to rely on the slow motion modes, which are always lower quality. Um, yeah. 4K 120 was a joy to use. Um, you could get your Peter, I think it, you could get your I Peter McKinnon funny, on. <laughs> you can. I, I think it is funny though that you can switch over to 
the slow motion f mode and the 4K 120 isn't listed there, which is kind of odd. Well, it's funny because you, when you have you do, to switch over in the in the video mode itself, which is true. But this is a lot like on a Sony camera, where you have a 120 frame per second mode native. Yeah. So no, but I mean, most people are going to be using 4K 120 for slow motion, right? No, yeah. no one's going to shoot 1K 120 for anything else besides slow motion, unless it's a super bright day and you're trying to, you know, whatever. But it's one of those things like you should have. Keep it within the video mode, de definitely, but also add it within the slow motion mode because and that's like where people away, are going to use it. Take away the work that is involved, yeah. you know, that with you going into deep digging into the settings and switching it over, and then going back to the video capture mode. You know, like just swipe over to slow motion. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think like there are net positives with this camera system, even if it's not. I mean, it's so easy. Actually, um, weren't you the one that told me yesterday that uh, the S21 Ultra got a price cut and now it's basically the same price as the OnePlus 9 Pro right now? And it's like... the uh, It's cheaper. It's $900 right now. The S21 Ultra is on sale for $900 without any trade-ins or anything like that directly from Samsung.com. That's a hard thing because... If again, I like looking at phones in a vacuum. Um, you know, it, it's not until someone poses the question to me that I start to think about like the verses and whatnot. I listeners, I hate verses videos. Just so you know, like, <laughs> like I really don't like it. Um, but I mean, you have to make those comparisons because I agree, you, I agree, and I will, I will at a top level. But I'm not going to go through like the this is a 13 minute video going no, through every totally. <laughs> but like from a consumer standpoint, you know, the versus videos side, making those comparisons mm -hmm. is extremely helpful because an average consumer is going to walk into a store and say, well, why should I buy this phone versus why should I buy that phone? Right. Yes. The educated consumer that's watching our videos or reading the tech blogs knows already which phone that they're going to buy. They're not reading our sites to figure out, is this the one? They've already made up their mind for the most part, or sometimes they just need a review to confirm their bias towards a certain device and the money that they're going to be spending on it. But there's so many people that walk in and are completely uneducated on a topic and have no clue why, you know, honestly, like there's so many people are going to walk into a store or T-Mobile stores, because those are the only ones that you're going to be able to buy these phones in, see the Hasselblad branding on the back of the phone and be like, What's Hasselblad? Because 95% yeah. of people have no clue what Hasselblad is. Yeah, it's true. Um, when I look, and, and, and you're right, like the, those comparisons will be made. I just make them in my own way. Like it's a takeaway in one of my takeaway videos. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, the, it's kind of, it's, it's very stiff competition because I think OnePlus is sort of stuck in the BKK slash Asia mentality of how to tune their phones while trying to inject some of the westernized, like we want the best quality just in terms of raw quality, not even like in terms of software features, not in terms of beautification modes or anything like that. So OnePlus, the OnePlus 9 Pro finds itself in a weird middle ground where in Asia, it's probably... It, in Asia, even, it doesn't even have Oxygen OS. It's going to be using Color OS. So clearly, it's like being pulled into that direction over mm -hmm. there. Meanwhile, in the US and in Europe, it has some of these stylings and these flavors of the Asian phones, which is great. I actually really like that. It's uh, it's allowed for like a very sleek phone that has these high high specs without having to go too crazy with some of the features that for some reason here in the West, we really opine for, which is like, do I really want 50 times zoom? I don't really. Do I really want like... Do I really want like a huge phone with like an ecosystem behind it in terms of Apple? That depends. But 
When you compare it to those phones, yes, it's easy to think that the OnePlus 9 Pro is lacking. It is very easy to look at it that way. It doesn't have zoom. It doesn't have a good front-facing camera. It doesn't have a huge battery. I get where they're coming from with that, but I guess my question here is, like, does that spell not really doom, but do we really think of the OnePlus 9 Pro as lesser? I don't think it's lesser, but I I think it is still in a weird situation because of the history of the brand itself, because the whole reason why OnePlus and the fact that we're talking about it at all is because they launched as a an extreme value proposition when everyone else was charging $700 for a smartphone, they come out and say, hey, we're going to charge $300 for a smartphone, mm-hmm. offering pretty much spec for spec what those higher end devices minus, you know, at the time, wireless charging or NFC, things like that. But now, I mean, the conversation isn't, is this phone a great value? It's, well, is it really any different than any other smartphone that's on the market right now? What mm-hmm. what makes OnePlus different than Samsung? What makes OnePlus different than, you know, Apple? What are what are the unique capabilities of this device? And honestly, there's like yes, the display with its extremely low latency and the frame rate, the refresh rate that can go down to one frame per second. Yes, those are all amazing things that will give you a slightly better user experience. But unless you dig into it and really try to notice it, they're not things that are going to stand out and say, this is why you buy a OnePlus phone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's a good thing in one way where this is no longer uh, a step behind the competition as far as features being omitted to reach a certain price point. But it's also a bad thing where the price point is exactly the same or even more expensive in some cases and you're not getting anything that's really setting this phone apart. As we said, the cameras are now up to par. They're not really better. They're up to par with the competition, the software. I would say the only advantage they have really is the software. It's one of my favorite builds of Android uh, besides stock Android uh, when it's compared to any other you know, custom skins that are out there. But as far as the hardware goes and the overall performance of the phone, I would say it's another good device like all the other good devices that are on the market yeah i think i'm i think i'm in the same boat um one thing that i will say from my end though is that at the same price those other phones that probably have more capabilities are also way bulkier i i one of my favorite things about phones right now in 2021 is that a lot of these manufacturers and in this case we're talking about oppo and oneplus They've managed to pack all of this power into a very svelte phone. I'm very happy with the ergonomics. I'm happy with how how sleek the design is, even if it is a 6.7-inch curved display. They've been able to pack a lot in. Meanwhile, the S21 Ultra really kind of leans into the Ultra, and the iPhone 12 Pro Max leans into the Max. Like they, they really do that. And as much as I have gotten used to the bigger phones, it's still something I consider. And the OnePlus 9 Pro is definitely less that. Um, it is it is kind of tough. It is it, it, brand loyalty is going to be part of it. Um the Hasselblad stuff we're going to have to see. I think that they only have the only direction they can go is up because if the color science has improved these cameras to this extent to where OnePlus actually has viable cameras, um then when they get into the actual like hardware tuning in future devices it's probably going to be very good. Um, yeah, that that was one of the points I I made in one of my videos was 
the Hasselblad collaboration as of right now isn't a reason to buy this phone, but wait a year when they've actually fine-tuned you know, what this collaboration will look like and have had time to work on hardware, not just on the software front, I think we're going to see some more meaningful improvements next time around. Yeah, agreed. And Should we talk about the 9 as well? Because we haven't touched on that one yet. I suppose we can, but the thing is you're probably going to anchor that conversation because I've really only used the 9 Pro for the most part. Well, and so here's the thing. The phone, just like last year, shares a whole lot of features with the other device. It has a downgraded main sensor, the same ultra-wide camera on the back, same size battery on the inside, same RAM and storage configurations, uh, same SOC. Uh, AMOLED display uh, is a downgrade. It doesn't feature the same dynamic refresh rate and the touch latency, but this phone is now a bigger gap in price between the phones last year and this year. So it's $729, which is $29 more expensive than the phone it's replacing. But I don't know, like last year I gave the OnePlus 8 an Editor's Choice Award because of the value that it offered. I think I might be inclined to do the same here. The camera is definitely not going to be as impressive, but the color tuning is still there with Hasselblad, so you get that improvement on that front. Um, and everything else is just a good device. So I don't know. It, it's one of it's definitely more forgettable because you don't have that main sensor that's dramatically better than what we've seen in the past from OnePlus. But I don't know. I, I think it's a well up. I think it's a better rounded device than the OnePlus Nine Pro is. Hmm. Okay. I, I, I have to take all of that to the OnePlus 9 when I finally like use it, use it. Because once once I unboxed it, I was like OnePlus 9 Pro all the way. Like I'm not that I'm Oh yeah, and the same for me, right? Yeah. You you always go for if you have two phones and you're gonna use them the same amount of time, like yeah, you go for the big beefy one, right? I mean, because that's the that's where the content sort of dictates, right? And mm -hmm. even now, like I think today, um, you know, between embargo lifts, let me just put it that way, I have a little bit of time to finally come back and look at the Galaxy S21. I'm finally going to do my my videos on it. So, um, yeah, I'm going to... That's old news, man. That's like <laughs> three weeks ago. But it's funny that um, it's actually very relevant in my personal life because I actually got a friend asking me, should I get the S21 or the S21 Ultra now that they all got price cuts? And I'm like, oh, maybe it is a good time to revisit it. Well, the S21 right now is still $800. But with trade-in, it's like four. Yeah, but no, it's with trade-in, it's like $200. Oh, okay. It's yeah, the Ultra so, that's like four, right? Or something like that? Yeah, the, I think the Ultra is four. But so the prices of the unlocked with no trade-ins, 800 for the S21, 800 for the S21 Plus. So exactly the same price. And then 900 for the Ultra. Yeah. Which Still is impressive. Like, eh, just just buy the Ultra. Like well, that's... For the, yeah, impressive for the Ultra. Um, but yeah, these are the conversations that we end up having, like regarding these particular devices. But yeah, like this is what happens. Like you said earlier, one man shows. Like content comes out a little bit later, but that doesn't make it any less relevant. <laughs> like <laughs> it's just how how we can actually do it on a consistent basis. But before we get too far off the rails, um, yeah, a solid hour talking about two big devices that came out this week or were launched this week. Obviously more to come. Um, I know that for the both of us, we are still awaiting our Poco F3s. And then, um, yeah, OnePlus and further things that are coming out. Oh, the OnePlus Watch. We don't even know when we're going to get the OnePlus Watch. Um, yeah, so. we should, I mean, should we talk about that for a little bit? It's not really what, well, it is 
what we were expecting. It's not running Wear OS. It's mm -hmm. more of a Fitbit competitor, but mm -hmm. at one hundred and fifty nine dollars. Um, I honestly like if you're looking for a good fitness tracker slash fitness tracker first, smartwatch second. It's probably one of the best options that are out there. But yeah, we still haven't had a chance to play with it yet. Uh, mm -hmm. They're saying our review units are in the mail sometime soon. And yeah, we'll see. Looking forward to it. I mean, smartwatches and wearables in general are starting to like ramp up a little bit. Again, I'm wearing fits latest uh but yeah we're gonna we're gonna get to all of that once they come through um to anybody that's listening right now this is the tuesday show um i do the tuesday shows most of the time especially when news actually happens but of course last week there wasn't a whole lot of news for the tuesday show um this friday though we're going to see um i'm gonna tease it a little bit but i think it, it, maybe jaime will be on maybe it'll be nick maybe it'll be tk i don't even know but i'm i thought that jaime would be on we might end up talking about um this rumor of LG potentially completely leaving the market. Uh, I didn't want to talk about it on today's show because it's still it's still kind of rumored, even though people are saying it's basically confirmed, but I want it to be official. And I'm going to be very sad if it is. But then it's at that point that I want to talk at length about it. But anyway, that's just a bit of a teaser for what could be the Friday show. In any case, Nick, go ahead and uh, uh, roll out the red carpet for you. You have a lot of content coming out on, on the OnePluses, I imagine. So go ahead and plug away. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, I do have full reviews of the OnePlus 9 Pro coming up, a lot of camera comparisons as well. Uh, I haven't actually been out to do my side-by-side -side photo comparisons between this device and the Pixel smartphones and the iPhones as well. Uh, so those are coming up. So if you want to check those out, head over to youtube.com slash Fandroid later this week. They will be available for you and we'll have coverage as well on Fandroid.com. All right. And with all of that said, we're going to get into the outro starting now. Follow all of the links for both Nick Gray, Fandroid, and myself uh, in the show notes. All of the links are there. For, as far as Pocket Now is concerned, you can head over to pocketnow.com for all of the latest headlines, as well as follow Pocket Now across all social media networks at Pocket Now. Then, of course, head over to youtube.com slash Pocket Now for video content that's coming out pretty much every single day. With all of that said, we're going to go ahead and call it on this episode of the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. See you in our next segment for the week this Friday. See you then. <laughs>